There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry Arm, women liberationists, and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
Okay, I want to talk about a few more things before our uh, special guest comes on. The uh, Verizon strike, as we heard earlier, goes on into its uh, third week. Some of the issues involved are wages and benefits, but definitely that Verizon workers can be assigned to go and work in other places away from their homes for months at a time. So that means they have to pay for a hotel room and establish themselves in a new community. This is one of the uh, sticking points. Um, how you can support the strike? I'm looking at the Labor Notes website. You can adopt the Verizon Wireless Store and organize a group to picket and leaflet there <clears throat> for a couple hours a day. And if you're interested in doing that, email or call Dan at dan at labornotes.org. Okay, and the phone number is 617-599-3026. This is if you can put in some time and pick at a Verizon store yourself. Or you can join an active picket line, www.standuptoverizon.com, or call your local Communication Workers of America or International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers office to check which Verizon stores have an active picket line. Spread the word on social media, like the Stand Up to Verizon Facebook page, if you're joining or organizing pickets, take pictures and email them to standuptoverizon at cwaunion.org. Sign the petition. Other ideas? Send them to Dan at Labor Notes. Okay, this is a big, meaningful strike. So we all need to help. Labor history, we've got a story about a cowboy strike in Texas. And this is on the libcom.org website. Cowboys fought the brief but good fight to regain the rights they had lost to greedy or inept corporate ranchers who had taken over the open range. A cowboy then on one of the smaller ranches could take some calves in lieu of pay, in lieu of pay, and, um, pardon me, in lieu of pay and, and uh, start a herd of his or her own. The syndicates came in understanding the business world, but very often little of the ranching life on the plains. Profits tended to be low as their ignorance and speculative fever were high. So as their heirs might do today, they blamed the people who actually did the work for the problem. They cut wages, disallowed horses for personal use, stopped the gathering of mavericks, and offered no more calves for pay. Then they forbade drinking and gambling. This was not much of a life with no stake. 
Tom Harris was a seasoned and respected hand at the L.S. Ranch and decided he'd seen enough. He rounded up some men from the L.I.T., the L.X., the L.E., and the T-Anchor and made out a list of demands. We, the understand, undersigned Cowboys of Canadian River, do by these presents agree to bind ourselves into the following obligations. First, we will not work for less than $50 a month. And we furthermore agree that no one shall work for less than $50 a month after the 31st of March. Second, good cooks shall also receive $50 a month. Third, anyone running an outfit shall not work for less than $75 a month. Anyone violating the above obligation shall suffer the consequences. Those not having funds to pay board after March 31st will be provided for for 30 days at Tascosa, which was the main town <clears throat> in the area. 24 cowboys signed the proclamation. Maybe upwards of 300 had some ties to the strike. <clears throat> the LE and T anchor fired the strikers right away. More cunning by far were the LS and LT. They offered piddling increases to cowboys who stayed, and then they fired the rest. Then they picked up the leavings from the other outfits by paying the, only the marginally high wages, at least for a while. So, a Tascosa strike by cowboys helped ultimately only marginally, marginally, uh, effective uh, okay so we're going to turn now to our live interview every uh, every week we have a live interview go ahead say something hello we didn't get it hello hello Let's see. okay hello, hello. Why, why don't you take this one number two Thank you. Much better. Um, thank you for uh, indulging us there while we get our technology together. My guest today is Vita Castaneda Morgan, who uh, last week gave us a very cogent and informative talk about living vegan. Mm -hmm. And this week, uh, Vita's a, Vita is a... Uh, student at UC Davis. So Vita, why don't you just go ahead and talk about what you got? Um, well, as many people have been hearing on the news and on Facebook and news articles everywhere, uh, our chancellor, Linda Katehi, is, well, as of Wednesday, has been relieved of her duties and has been put on administrative leave so for 90 days she will be continued to paid her be paid her average salary of about 426,000 a year as the university holds an investigation administered by Janet Napolitano upon large and widespread 
public uh, outcry and for reform and for change and it started not necessarily started but it gained a lot of momentum when there were groups of students sitting outside of her office in rock hall on the third floor and they sat out there day and night uh, there were professors and different department heads that were against them sitting out there and would come in and scold them and stuff and they would still stay some professors sent pizza some some uh, departments sent pizza as well to the student protesters. So they've been getting support, but what ended up happening later on was that an assemblyman, his name escapes me, but he sort of put these kids more on the map and then other more notable figures started to hear about what was going on in Davis and give uh, notoriety to the cause. But also, as I've been reading more and more about this case, it seems that there are various uh, things that Linda Katehi has been involved in that questionable. For example, um, her step, no, it's daughter-in-law her daughter-in-law uh works there at the university of davis university of california davis and she is staff assistant or staff something to the vice chancellor which is adela de la torre and this woman's name is emily prieto who is the wife of linda katehi's son eric uh i don't know how to say his last name but eric also has a job there at UC Davis in the student something, I cannot remember the name, but basically as a student assistant researcher and he gets like 23,000 a month or something like that. And this one, uh, Emily Prieto gets a lot of money and over the past two and a half years, she's been getting uh, a lot of pay raises. So, Jenna Napolitano put that into question as well. Um, There's also a question about uh, her partnership in a publishing firm? Yeah, the publishing firm that, I think they gave or administered textbooks to the school, and basically she was making money off of that system. And there were like two separate ones in which she was like on the board of one of them or something, and then another one in which um, she was on the board before, but then she got off of it. And she claims that people like her and in her position hold titles on various boards and it doesn't necessarily mean anything about this or that. And she's a, caller, a scholar of chemical and engineering or something like that, chemical science and engineering from Greece. So she's very proud of that and she tries to hold to that when she makes her uh, statements and tries to paint herself as something very different than she is, it seems. Well, um, and of course, the infamous images that flashed across the screens all over America and the world of student demonstrators being uh, pepper, sprayed. pepper sprayed directly right in their eyes by police, and then her attempt to, <laughs> did she attempt to cover it up? Is that it? Yeah, well, what happened is that first she sort of 
took her hands off of it and she said oh no like they shouldn't have acted that way but I didn't have any control over it or that she didn't know or something like that but she did say they shouldn't have acted that way but nothing necessarily happened to the people who did it and but on the internet she paid two separate um like online uh, presence companies, I guess, that sort of help filter what pops up when you search a certain thing. So as they have copyright over the name UC Davis or whatever, uh, they, I guess they have the ability to somehow go into the internet and revise it so that when you look it up, either you cannot find or it's very difficult to find uh, the information concerning UC Davis and that pepper spray incident, and you might be more likely to find things about how wonderful UC Davis is, and the cows, and the solar panels, and all these other things that are positive about UC Davis, but we need to embrace both in order to make it better, and not just cover it up. Yeah, Napoleon, um, Kateki spent this money in order to clean up her record. She wanted to get rid of all copies of the film showing these police in what could only be described as a scene out of Nazi Germany, you know, <laughs> uh, at a prison camp or something. But, um, yeah, so Nakateki has been removed um, pending an investigation. And... Uh, what do you foresee for the future? Do you think she'll be um, fired or taken off her job, or will she be sustained? It seems to me that eventually she will just be completely fired. There will be nothing left to, uh, I guess, yield from her reputation. Like, she's been pretty ruined in the eyes of the students already so i don't see her coming back in any position as powerful as she was before and she seems to have misused her power in a lot of ways because you know aside from that you see davis students are paying a lot of money and it's not fair that things are sometimes mishandled or misused when we don't even get to vote on it or talk about it or any of these things you know Okay, and um, uh, an issue that's really front and center now is um, campus security, especially for women. How, where did Kateki come down on that issue? Campus security. Well, from what I understand, in terms of campus security for women, um, we have this thing at UC Davis called Tap Ride, which, or it's called Aggie Safe Ride through an application on your phone called Tap Ride, and it helps to pick up women um, or young women who are walking from class to home and takes them different places. She did fund that, and different. There are different programs that she's helped with campus security, but. Um, in terms of like sexual assault and things like that, her administration or whatever it's called in the past has mainly not made the best choices that are for the survivor um, and probably are just more for the campus's reputation as we have seen in Berkeley and other places. Okay, so that's... Um Vita, you got anything else, Vita? No, I'm good for now. Okay, thank you so much Just for coming to on share the that. show. Thank you.
keeps uh, people who are <clears throat> out in the community involved and aware of what's going on at uh, your universities. These are publicly funded universities now. Okay, so today is one of those uh, sad anniversaries. The 2013 Savar building collapse, or Rana Plaza collapse, was a structural failure that ended with the death of 1,130 people. Approximately 2,500 injured people were rescued from the building alive. It is considered the deadliest garment factory accident in history, outstripping the triangle shirtwaist disaster, the deadliest accidental structure fail, structural failure in modern human history. The building contained clothing factories, a bank, apartments, and several shops. The shops in the bank on the lower floors immediately closed after cracks were discovered in the building. <clears throat> the building's owners ignored warnings to avoid using the building after cracks had appeared the day before. Garment workers were ordered to return to work the following day, and the building collapsed during the morning rush hour. The building is owned by Sohil Rana, allegedly a leading member of the local Jubo League. Factories manufactured apparel for brands including Benetton, Beaumarchais, The Children's Place, El Corte Inglés, Joe Fresh, Monsoon, Walmart, Primark, Matalan, Mango. The head of the Bangladesh Fire Department and service, Civil Service Department, Ali Ahmed Khan, said that the upper four floors, floors had been built without a permit. The architect said that the building was planned for shops and offices, but not factories. <clears throat> so, as we always say, this show is dedicated to the 3,500 people who will die today from labor-related accidents or conditions related to their jobs. In the United States, some 250 will die. This show is for you. And on this day in 1937, April 26, that, that is, the ancient Basque city of Guernica was bombed and largely obliterated by the German and Italian air forces at the behest of the Spanish nationalists. This was during the Civil War in Spain. <clears throat> and uh, the fascist air forces, in order to practice in what they, de they seemed to uh, understand was preparation for the next war, um, carpet bombed this little town in Spain. 
and uh, killed everything, basically. Famous painting by Pablo Picasso. It's called Guernica, and in it, Picasso, by tearing everything apart into pieces, he tries to show how the town was obliterated and pieces of things are flying all around, screaming people, screaming animals. Uh, check it out. On this day in 1934, workers at the electric Autolite plant in Toledo, Ohio, went on strike, kicking off what later became known as the Toledo Autolite strike. Arguably one of the most important strikes in American labor history. Crucially, it involved mass support from unemployed workers. Finishing in early June, the strike would become famous for the five-day Battle of Toledo, in which 6,000 workers fought 1,300 National Guards people, leaving two workers dead and over 200 injured. And on this day, October 25th, 1974, Portugal's fascist dictatorship was overflown by a military coup, which was then followed by a working-class uprising. Urban workers took over their factories and farm workers took over their farms in what would become known as the Carnation Revolution. As few shots were fired and people adorned troops with carnations. Okay, it's uh, about quarter till now. Time to uh, wrap it up and say goodbye. <clears throat> this is Mutiny Radio you're listening to. Coming right up is Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker. And we've got about five minutes, uh, working class history. Let's do one more. On this day, April 11th in 1981 in London, after a young black man died in police custody, Brixton's youth, both black and white, turned their anger on police leaving 280 injured in what would be one of the iconic urban riots of the Thatcher years. Okay, mutineers out there, this is Labor Radio, Labor and Love. We remind you that uh, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. And we remind you also that if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never, but never, let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. I'd like to say call-outs to my soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez, my daughter, Vita, who makes me prouder to be a dad every day. All you people out there who are interested in labor history, the family. Oh, yes. Christos Enesti. 
to all those people who follow the Greek Orthodox faith, Christos Anesti. This Sunday is Easter Sunday. You see a Greek, you say Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. And they are to answer you with Alithnos Anesti. He is risen indeed. Okay, let's go here with the Internationale. Kerry Miraji. This is Labor and Love signing off. Wishing you a good week and good work. This is the B. Time for MutinyRadio.fm's June 3030 fundraiser. Every June we take all 30 days and we try to raise money to keep the doors open and keep free speech alive here at MutinyRadio.fm. How can you help? You can come to one of our 24 events over the next 30 days. Or you can go to our GoFundMe 3030 and you can pledge online. We need your money. Why? Because we're trying to make this world a better place. Also, trying to do that through free speech. And what do we need? We need microphones, XLR cables, 
mic stands. The entropy here at 278 121st Street is great. Lots of people using the equipment here at Mutiny Radio FM. And we need new stuff. What else do we need? We need some technical help because tech is not free in this city. Hey, if you're a tech person and you want to give us some of your time, please do that. But we know that you won't ever do it for free. So we're going to raise money so that we can fix our technical issues here, making free speech radio via the Internet more and more better for your ear holes. Thank you guys for supporting us. And we'll see you during the June 3030 fundraiser. The Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse has been open since 1928, helping raise the youth of our community with Arts. Community cleanup. Art. Technological skills. Education. And free meals. Their brand new gym helps keep our kids in positive productivity after school activities. And their art studio fosters creativity. Visit them at bgcsf.org for more details or to donate. Alex, hey, can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. What? Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4 AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4 AltaCalifornia.com. Stand every Sunday at 1 p.m. Parking Nidos Unidos at 23rd and Folsom. The free farm stand and all volunteer run project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, helping making local growth, fresh and nutrients, organic produce accessible to all, especially those in individuals or low incomes or tight budgets. The Free Farm Stand grows food in San Francisco and distributes its it for free. We act as a gathered place in mission to encourage community growth and involvement. This effort resolved most around gathering surplus foods from neighborhood gardens, various farmer markets, community gardens, 
public and private fruit trees and hosting a space where this bounty can be shared with all. We also work with produce to the people who harvest organic fruits from backyard fruit trees and public spaces and bring it out to our free farm stand. For more information or if you want to help or if you have or know of a fruit tree that needs picking, you can contact Lauren with at produce to the people at produce to the people at gmail.com. supports the endeavors of True Hustle Entertainment, another Bay Area artist collective providing comedy to the Bay Area since 2012. Every second Friday at 6 p.m., enjoy good times in the grotto. And every fourth Friday at 6 p.m., savor the p.m. show with Juan Medina, both offering free comedy, music, and beer at the Sports Basement, located on 1590 Bryant Street. Every last Wednesday in the Castro Valley at 8 p.m., make your way to the comedy a go-go at Spanky's Bar, located at 20812 Baker Road. Also in SF, every Wednesday at 8 p.m., check out Brainwash, 1122 Folsom Street, for the Hella Hustle Showcase. For information regarding any and all these events, visit TrueHustleEntertainment.com, where the truth is always in the hustle. For the oddest topics, most multifarious tunes, and freshly lacquered commentary, check out The Stranger in Strange Land, Saturdays, midnight to two, for interviews involving all your eclectic esoterica, write to The Stranger at earthling.net. For general mutiny news coverage, send your aggregated articles, accomplishments, muckraking investigations, and fluffy public interest pieces to news at mutinyradio.fm. We're always looking for writers and contributions. And check out our progressive news links at mutinyradio.fm. So tune in to Stranger in a Strange Land, Saturdays, midnight to 2 a.m. Man, do you miss a Mutiny Radio show from your favorite DJ? Did you find out about a guest interviewed on Mutiny Radio a day too late? Are you wishing that you had a time-traveling DeLorean to listen to those shows again? Don't you fret. Simply go to mutinyradio.fm and listen to our podcast. Yes, it's that easy. Click on the podcast. 
podcast button and find your favorite show. Heck, click a variety of podcasts for a sample of all of our great programming here at Mutiny Radio. And don't forget to listen to us live on iTunes Radio under the Eclectic section. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in, turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam No matter what you're into, make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Here we are. It's Friday. It's happy hour. A strange punk band out of New York from the early 90s, 1996 to be exact. So you're going to be hearing them in between all the hilarious comedians tonight on the happy hour here on MutinyRadio.fm at 6 o'clock. We're getting started right away because we have so many comedians. We want to get them all in tonight. Four-minute sets. When you hear the horn, not that sound. I'll have a real horn at this point. I'll be more organized. Uh, But that means you have a minute left. So when you hear the horn, don't wrap it up. It means you have a minute. You have a whole minute to tell your jokes. And don't think I'm running you off stage, because I'm not. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Uh, Thanks for being here at Mutiny Radio. Give it up for Tom, run the ones and twos in back. Yes, you're all here. You're comedians. You want to get started with the hilarious comedy. Put your hands together for your first comedian of the night. It's Christopher Jarmillo. not here. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, I think your next comedian is here. All right. He was on the pre-sign. He did all of his work. Put your hands together. It's Jeff Dean. Hey guys, how's it going? David, how are you doing? So guys, bear with me. I got a I got a Santa Claus joke. If you wanted a if you wanted a seasonal comedian, you're looking at the wrong guy. Um, and don't get me wrong here, guys. I think Santa Claus really turned out to be a great guy. Before I get started, um, I just feel like, and I also realize that he's he's a made up person, right? But I think that there's a like. There's a lot of this story that wasn't told, and there's a lot of serious questions that need to be answered. Um, 
And, you know, I, I'm 25 right now. I'm going through, you know, my quarter-life crisis, if you will. I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And I think, like, what is, what did Santa, what was he like, you know, at this time in his life? What, how did he deal with this, right? Um, and I just picture him at, like, a bar with his friends. They all dropped out of college. And you're probably thinking, oh, Jeff, like, when Santa was a kid, college didn't exist. And it's like, fuck you, all right? Like, just... <laughs> Just believe the story. Anyway, so he's, so he's at a bar. He's talking to his friends. They dropped out of college, and they're like, what do you want to do with your life, Santa? And he's, Santa goes, you know, I just, I just want to bring smiles to the faces of children all over the world, you know? And they're like, okay. But, I mean, how are you going to do that? Obvious follow-up question, right? Um, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to every kid's house at midnight on Jesus' birthday and I'm just going to give them a sweet little gift, you know, exactly what they wanted. And they're going to say, well, how do you know what they want? And they said, well, he says, well, it's easy. I'm going to, you know, I'll know when they're sleeping. I'll know when they're awake. I know if they've been bad or good. So, you know, hopefully they'll be good for goodness sake, you know. Um, and they're going to think, you know, wait, um, <laughs> let's see here. And, you know. Like I said, I think Santa turned out to be a great guy. But you know what the scariest thing about this whole thing is? Why the fuck are the children not asking these questions? I'd like to think, if I were to go back in time, back to my childhood with the wherewithal that I have now, that I would think, okay, this guy's breaking into my house at midnight. He's dropping off presents. He likes, he likes children a lot, apparently. I want to know what this guy's intentions are, you know? <laughs> and it's scary that we're not teaching our children to question this. We need to teach them to question everything, guys, especially when it comes to strangers. Anyway, that's what I got about Santa. Um, <laughs> so I moved, I moved here recently. I'm struggling and making friends, you know? It's like moved here for a job, didn't know anybody. And making guy friends is tough. I just recently broke up with my girlfriend. And uh, it's like, I don't even want to talk to girls. I just want dude friends, you know? I want to build a good group. And so, like, I'll meet a guy, you know? We'll be texting. It's exciting, you know? I say, hey. I'm thinking, OK, this guy's a software developer. He's white. He wants a burrito, right? I'll go, hey, you want to get, like, a burrito after work? And he's like. And then I see the bubbles come up, and I'm like, oh, he's going to text me back. And then they go away, and it's like, fuck. <laughs> and then I'm like, OK. Uh, and then he texts me back. He's like, oh, hey, I already had a burrito for lunch, but thanks. And it's like, fuck you, man. You know, I just wanted to get dinner, you know? <laughs> we didn't have to get burritos. We could have got pizza, burger. I'm really open to anything. <laughs> but I don't want to seem too needy, either. <laughs> it's tough out here, guys. Um, all right. Thank you for uh, the time. All right. Jeff Dean is using Tinder to date dudes for burritos. Yay. I, yeah, burritos are always delicious. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I can't believe that you got 
nagged by a dude. You're so cute. Look at your beard. Like, how did he not? How is he not into you? Like, that's so weird. Uh, your next comedian, wow, you look like my ex-meth dealer. That is really exciting right now. I haven't seen that guy in 15 years. And here you are. Even had a little dog. Uh, I don't know what's happening tonight. It's crazy. Uh, your next comedian is a hilarious individual. He runs a podcast called the F-E-F-Y. Uh, it's been changing dates, but you can find him on iTunes and tune in. It's the Fifi. Fuck everything. Fuck you. It's Timothy Pizza. Hi. <laughs> the, uh, the older I get, the weirder my thumbs taste. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's, uh, I've been drinking a lot of pond water. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like I'm getting older, and I don't want to get old. Uh, like, you ever watch, like, a dude in his, like, 70s or 80s, like, take a nap? Looks like he's fighting off the white light. <laughs> it's like, I remember my grandma, it's like, where the fuck did she bury all those parakeets? Every time I was over there, it was a new parakeet. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to make it a positive thing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my life one day. Uh, it's going to be a good thing, though. Um, everybody's got, like, these... Uh, you know, their sex moves like the Cleveland Steamer, the, uh, I don't know, the, yeah, uh, Dirty Sanchez. I've got suicide moves. Uh, my, uh, my, first off, uh, there's the, the, uh, Sandy Duncan. Uh, Sandy Duncan was a weird old lady with a glass eye. Uh, that's when you, uh, drown yourself in your cat's litter box. <laughs> Uh, get it, Sandy, and you're dunking your head in there. Uh, <laughs> it's a terrific wordplay. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the other one uh, is called the techie. Uh, that's just when you hang yourself on chat roulette. Uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, then there's the come and go. And uh, that's when you're masturbating with your right hand, and right when you come, you give yourself Harry Carter with your left hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, it's a weird world. It's a weird world, guys. <sighs> yeah, I know. So, uh, I've been trying to be less approachable. <laughs> it's just like, fuck everybody at this point. It's like, I mean, if you're a nice person, it's just like, I, you know, get so many phone calls and shit at work all day long. I'm just like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Trying to make like an aura of leave me the fuck alone. And like mumbling helps. And you can mumble like really like sincere weird stuff. Like, I miss all of you. <laughs> and uh, they won't, they won't come close. Um, yeah, like I was, thought, I was thinking about like getting really weird and doing something kind of perverted. Like, hey, I want to be your bidet. But then I thought about it, and that's like peeing on someone's butt. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think I'm ready for that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. Um, so yeah, I was trying to do uh, the the girlfriend thing for a while. And uh, yeah, I got one, and it only lasted like a week and a half. There were some red flags. Um, uh, yeah, she uh, she pissed on my floor for one thing. That was weird. Um, I'll get into that later. Uh, yeah, there was other things too. Like uh, I'd go to her place, and it would smell like the best cookies in the world. And she lived alone. 
There's never any fucking cookies. Never offered a cookie. I looked around for cookies when she was sleeping. There was never any fucking cookies. Um, uh, so I work uh, in an office, and uh, I type in numbers in a machine, and the girl in the office next to me watches sports with the sound off. And listening to a girl watch sports with the sound off sounds like bad sex. Uh, I know what bad sex sounds like. Uh, I was raised by a single woman. Uh, so I'm typing away, and I hear like, oh, yeah, that's good, yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah, come on, shoot it, shoot it, yeah, shoot it. It's like my dick moves, my ears perk up, I'm like, oh, what's going on over there? <laughs> so then I'm like typing away, yeah, shoot it, shoot it, come on, shoot it, yeah, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, no, no, idiot, <laughs> idiot. And I'm getting PTSD from <laughs> every sexual experience I've had with myself and anyone else. And uh, I'm looking at Microsoft Excel with a hella weird boner. <laughs> uh, I'm Timothy Pizza. Timothy Pizza! His weird boner, I, I always want to, I, I mean, not that I'm staring at guys when they're on stage in their dicks or whatever, but I've always wanted to see someone get like a half chub and be like, ha ha, they're on stage and they're getting, they're like, this is so, I'm so awesome right now, like I'm totally, <laughs> I want to see that sometime and like confront them later. <laughs> at the brainwash, I'll pull them aside, I'm like, you really like yourself, don't you? I could tell I saw your half chub during your set at the punchline. All right, your next comedian is a funny guy. I didn't mean to put those things together because I've never seen your half chub. I've never seen him do it, but he's a really funny guy. He runs a great show uh, at Adobe Books, am I remembering correctly? I don't remember anything. Not anymore. But he runs shows. I've been on his shows, and they've been produced, and they've been produced amazingly, and they were well attended, and he's a great producer and a very funny man. Put your hands together. It's David Roth. I almost said Lee accidentally in the middle. Yay. My shows are well attended as fuck. Let me see your show. Richard's got a good show. That shit's well attended. When you're starting out in comedy, guys, it's not, don't worry about being funny. The jokes will come, but will the people, okay? <laughs> will the people. Uh, yeah, last time we got, uh, no, I can't talk about production the whole time, can I? I'm, I, I, came, I didn't have time to decompress after work. I just ran here. I'm still full of poop, like you can tell. It's like, <laughs> I can just feel my entire small intestine right now. It's like all the way up here. And then the first guy wasn't here. What is this, Fernet? It reaches the toilet. I know. I've heard. I've heard your. I've heard your. This is. <laughs> I've heard your bowel movements during a set, and <laughs> and that was distracting. And you're like half my size, but yeah, no, it's um. The set's about Pam, guys. It's not. It's not really. I'm not trying to connect with everyone. It's just. It's about how many people can show up and pooping. <laughs> no, yeah, I have. I really haven't had time to decompress. Jeff Dean. Uh, what's up? Uh, but yeah, no, it is weird because I work in advertising. I, someone was like, you're not supposed to talk about your day job. You want to let the audience know that you're, you know, a full-time comedian. But I know that'll make everyone here jealous because everyone's fucking unemployed. So, uh, I just, yeah, you wish. Uh, but it's, I have a weird, I have a weird job. You can kind of do anything because, uh, 
like last week I was doing ads for Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, like I was like with a voiceover guy and I was like, can you a little bit of less like, hoo -hoo, but like this is a new pie crust, so make it like, hoo -hoo, and just like <laughs> bring your game, dude, it's a new pie crust. But now I'm doing like raid wasps and hornet killer, <laughs> which is like a week ago, it was like the Pillsbury guy. Now I'm like, am I Hitler for hornets? Like, all I do is sit around thinking of ways to kill wasps and hornets. And there's like, our strategy is like, let's have our audience envision a world without wasps and hornets. I'm like, don't we need to pollinate flowers? Like, isn't that, that could be a problem. Um, but I was just thinking, because they want like viral videos, like they want things that, you know, that will get paid attention, but for some reason, like the only thing I can think of, like every good idea I have has already been done by ISIS. <laughs> like if you just swapped out humans for wasps and hornets, like I was like, hmm, what if we just like I don't know, threw like a couple of gay hornets off a roof? I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, again, ISIS, again, you did it again. Uh, fuck those guys. It's weird though to think that like I'm having this experience. Meanwhile, ISIS is really just it. Jews and Christians and Muslims are their wasps and hornets killers. Like, they're just sitting around the same thing, legs kicked down on a table. Like, uh, we could put them in a car, douse the car with oil, shoot a grenade launcher, and problem is gone. Yeah, that was sad. Um, so, material. I uh, New things happen to me all the time, guys. Uh, first time for everything, right? I was at Larry Flint's Hustler Club. <laughs> Timothy, thank you. Uh, and I just, yeah, I just wanted to make intense eye contact. Uh, but this woman, she like, this woman like walked up to me and she just leaned over and she's like, you Jewish? I, I mean, it made sense because I was wearing my Israeli flag pants and my yellow star. No, I was like, what the fuck? Is it my nose? I got a huge complex. But uh, it just, <laughs> it just fuck. It sucks. And she just like wanted to be my, uh, she like already, p I don't know. Was, I felt already put in the friend zone. Like she didn't want to dance. She wanted to connect. Uh, and so she was like, she's like, so you know, my name's not actually Raquel. It's Rachel. <laughs> and then I came. That's... <laughs> That's enough for a set. That was four minutes. Richard Sarvate smiling. Thanks, guys. Yay. David Roth, yes! Pleasing, getting pleased and pleasing strippers all over the Bay Area. <laughs> you ever been to the Gold Club? Have you ever been to the Gold Club for lunch? The buffet. Oh, shit. Churros and fried chicken and the watermelon, also very delicious. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Go for the fresh fruit <laughs> and the churros. It's like Disneyland. Your next comedian is a very funny man. He uh, is very helpful here at the station, and we appreciate him very much. You're going to laugh at his jokes. Put your hands together. His name is Jason Balmforth. Yay! Nice Oh, all right, yes. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna, it's been like, been like two weeks since I've done one of these. I'm getting back my bearings. I've been thinking a lot about pasta sauce. Not gonna lie, it's pasta sauce. I work in an Italian restaurant. Uh, you know what uh, the Italian word for your welcome is? It's fucking prego. Prego means you're welcome. That makes pasta sauce a whole new game. Walking down the fucking aisle, what am I gonna do for dinner? You're fucking welcome. <laughs> That's a little arrogant, don't you think? 
I mean, are you all that Prego pasta sauce? Are you? I have many different flavors. You can't be everything Prego. God, I mean, like, and it's always disappointing. Every time, every time, I imagine Prego is like that one douchebag that brings a guitar to a house party. Just a fucking asshole. I tried telling, uh, tried telling a couple of my friends I'm a comedian. They're like, you're not funny. I was like, God damn it. Being a comedian is like being that douchebag that brings a guitar to a house party, but you get laid a lot less. <laughs> Nobody fucking cares. Been thinking a lot about autoerotic asphyxiation. I mean, you know, like it's not something you're supposed to think about. Everyone tells you about how dangerous it is, but I mean, if so many people are doing it, something's got to be right, right? I mean, is the Batman suit optional, though? Because that shit's expensive. I can't afford a Batman costume and a belt and a doorknob and to keep my dick in the hand at the same time. This is a lot of steps. It's really complicated. Sup, Aldo? Just heckling everyone's set. Just coming up here, drawing all the attention. I see the minute he walks on stage, everyone's like, hold on, dog. It's like a dog with a squirrel, except now it's people with a dog. It's a never-ending chain. Now there's aliens, and they're like, huh? Person? Instead of watching comets flying across the sky and shit. Been thinking about the universe. People are talking about a lot of stupid shit. You know that if a hypernova exploded, it's like a giant supernova, that the gamma radiation would fry us all and we'd all die? That's, that's not a joke, it's true. If it's within 2,500 light years of here, we're all dead. Who the fuck cares about the election? No one gives a shit. All these protests about the election. I remember protests, I remember, like, I went to college once. I remember protesting. Protesting used to mean something. Protesting used to be, we will overcome. Now it's, we will overturn that cop car over there. And I will now get a new pair of Jordans from that footlocker. <laughs> it's not about protesting, it's about rioting. And it's not about rioting, it's about looting. I am waiting for the one day everyone shows up to the riot to loot, but no one's actually there to riot and everyone just gets confused. Because what, what the hell are you going to do? You're going to be sitting there all in bandana masks and shit like, oh, man, I sure hope someone distracts the police while I go get a new TV from Best Buy. <laughs> Whose turn is it this time, guys? <laughs> shit. No one came here to riot. Well, fuck, let's just make some Molotovs real quickly. Ugh. Uh, I can't milk it anymore. That's about all the material I had for today. and back around good times. Finally, we have a lady. All day today, I've been clamoring for the ladies. I'm like, what happened to the lady comedians? Like, where do they go? We finally have one here on Happy Hour. You guys are going to be so pleased, and you're going to laugh hysterically at the jokes of Florentina Tanase. I love your earrings. What does he say? Plug in, it says Mutiny Radio! <laughs> I hate the news, because you never get all the information. A prince died, and they won't even say which one. <laughs> I 
I have a job. I'm a stripper. Just kidding. <laughs> That's a hobby. Um, <laughs> I work at a hospital, and I'm an x-ray tech. I look at what people leave up there, but during sex, you weirdos. Like, I found Nemo and the shark chasing him. <laughs> I couldn't find Dory, though. She must have kept on swimming. <laughs> Um, and I have to deal with a lot of people who are drug seekers and sexist and have multi-personality disorders, and they want me to call them doctor, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and they all think they're God. Like, okay, just because your hipster son fucked a virgin. <laughs> oh wait, I think I read the Bible wrong, but... <laughs> Anyway, his son was a motherfucker. <laughs> um, I'm going to Europe in a few weeks. Back to the motherland, if you will. Um, because there's a lot of stuff that in Europe you don't see here. Like, last time I was there, I saw a gypsy take a shit on a lawn. I was like, Grandma, no. <laughs> it's my turn. I know what you're wondering, though. Was that lawn for a man or a woman? <laughs> I don't know. It's a hot button issue, so I just wanted to plug that in. Okay, guys, since you asked, I will give you a synoptic analysis of the reader. Has anyone seen that movie before? Allow me to ruin it for you forever. <laughs> um, basically, Kate Winslet is a Nazi cougar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she starts fucking the 17-year-old, and he reads to her before sex because that's the only way she can orgasm, she says. I've come up with worse excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, guys? He finds out she can't read. What? <laughs> right? So then he breaks up with her or like graduates high school, so he's like less attractive to her. Listen, he didn't fuck a real cougar. Don't give me that look. That would be like animal cruelty. <laughs> anyway, so then he goes to lawyer school, and he's in the, what is the, the room where the judge is, like if you hit too many pedestrians, you have to go there. Um, the courthouse, sorry. So he's there, and there's a woman on trial because she put some Jews in a church and locked them, and it burned. Guess who it was? <laughs> Kate Winslet! <laughs> what? I know! Because she couldn't read the sign. I said, don't burn people. <laughs> anyway, I won't ruin the ending like I did with 300, where I told my friend they all die at the end, but... I will tell you this. He records himself reading, and for like 20 years, she's like listening to it. And then the what does she do the day before she's supposed to get out? She kills herself. 
Because audiobooks are the worst atrocity this world's ever experienced. They're the worst. Alternate ending. <laughs> They're in a boat with all of his audio tapes in a big crate. And then they throw the crate out in the water, but then they jump after it, and they're on the crate. And then the guy's like, that's for Leonardo DiCaprio. And he swims away. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Florentina Tanase breaking down the movies that I don't want to see anyways. I like your versions. I think you should do a whole podcast where you just go through movies and do the whole plot. Do all the voices. <laughs> Fuck you, Leonardo. I've never seen Titanic either, so that made me happy, that little tag at the end. Your next comedian is staring at his phone and his notepad, which means he's really thinking about his jokes for you guys right now. He's ready to bring the heat. Are you guys ready to take it? Clap your hands together, it's Ken Suzuki. I didn't have to say anything, this is awesome. I hate to say it guys, but I had a revelation today. It's hard for me to admit, but I don't think religion is as forward thinking as I thought it was for our day and age. I, I was, why, for example, why do, why have churches not yet installed Square apps on the side of their donation buckets? <laughs> Who pays with cash anymore? Isn't this how they're supposed to stay in business? Why would they do this to themselves? And it's not just churches either, when I think about it. How hard has this cashless society gotta be for bums? How hard, has the panhandling in industry been hurt by our cashless society? Uh, just a couple of thoughts. I, um, do we have any dog people in this audience? Like, oh, one? Okay, good. So this is a room full of cat people, then, I'm guessing? Yes. Yeah. I'm a cat person myself. I'm sorry if you're a dog person, but I find that I have more respect for people uh, that don't need me. <laughs> I was like, I already have one girlfriend. I don't need another emotional codependent to worry about in my life. <sighs> this is going about subparly, which is, you know, a pretty good set for me. <laughs> Thinking a lot about animals um, and how, uh, had it not been for learning about evolution, I never would have thought that we were. Uh, because the things that we do to each other sexually are some of the freakiest things that I don't think any animal could ever devise. Like, think about it. Who here has heard of any primatologist documenting, documenting a case of throat fucking amongst the chimpanzees? <laughs> Our closest genetic relatives. You don't hear any cases of panda fisting now, do you? <laughs> And who here has ever heard of a wallaby bukkake? <laughs> I'm sure it would be adorable indeed. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Ken, tentacle porn exists. Tentacle porn exists. Yes. <laughs> but they don't watch it. We do. <laughs> not the octopi, not the cephalopods. <laughs> Listen, we're the only species out there that needs a safe word. That's all I'm saying. 
Now, I did this bit about two weeks ago, and another comic came up to me and was like, yeah, Ken, I don't know if I agree with that joke, because you've got to think about the bonobos. Fuck the bonobos. Ooh, they have incest and have an occasional orgy. Those fucking amateurs. Until I hear, oh, I forgot what this joke was going to go with it. Anyway, <laughs> until, until I hear about a bonobo getting off from having its balls stomped on, or even a simple, a simple bonobo airtight, don't talk to me about the fucking bonobos. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Rocking it out here for you guys. Animal sex makes me want to watch some Animal Planet tonight. Get excited. Yeah. Uh, your next comedian uh, is a wonderful human being. He's part of the Desi comedy, everything he runs. Uh, uh, the setup every Saturday at 222 Hyde. Uh, he's hilarious in his own right, and he knows how to read directions and follow them, which makes me so happy. Put your hands together for Richard Savante! Yes. You heard it here. I am funny in my own right, okay? <laughs> I don't know what right you guys operate on, but you know, let's hope it's the same one. I did, I did all the tasks to be here today. I did. And I have earned the right to perform four minutes of garbage. <laughs> I, this morning I woke up, I turned on notifications for the Mutiny Radio Facebook page. <laughs> I even put a different noise for that than the regular stuff on my phone. Most notifications on my phone are like Bing! This one was <laughs> 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 Anyway, yeah, 11, I don't know, 53, something was posted there. I did the tasks. Stephen Massey beat me somehow. <laughs> Is he already gone? <laughs> I don't know how he did it. Um, okay, time for the garbage. So, anytime, like, there's a bunch of warrior stuff happening right now. <laughs> anytime this, like, sports season starts, I just know, like, okay, here's, like, I don't even know, two months of me not connecting with anybody. <laughs> 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 it's just like hibernation for friendship. <laughs> just like I hope I made enough friends during the off season that <laughs> I can get through. And I, I mean, I could have so many friends if I knew about sports. <laughs> it's just like, and I think it. If I could just fix the issue of like mixing up names of sports teams and the sports that they play, <laughs> I think I'd be like way, you know, I'd have a big advantage. Like, I don't know, like Warriors are playing. Now, who are they playing? The, the Earthquakes? <laughs> Chicago Earthquakes? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What most teams are just named after natural phenomenon, right? Just like, who are the Houston Flash Floods? Or <laughs> is that a team? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, where are they playing? Oracle Arena? Is, is that where the, the Ringling Brothers play when they come through? <laughs> um, I, don't, like, I don't even think I could be good at talking to people about sports, even if I did a bunch of research. Like, I don't know, someone would hit a home run and I'd just be like, oh, you know, Jackie Robinson did a bunch for civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. <sighs> All right. What else is going on? Uh, Passover was recently. Jewish. Yeah. Is, it, is it done? Saturday. 
It's, it's finished on Saturday. Oh, so it's still going. We have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I, I like the story of Passover, right? Like uh, you put sheep blood on your door so God knows not to give you the pestilence, right? <laughs> That's good. Like I, I use the same tactic on Muni. <laughs> you know, like I just cover myself in sheep's blood and then, you know, the inspector knows not to ask me for my ticket. <laughs> this guy probably has, you know, some other business. Um, I, I was uh, in the bathroom at work and I underneath the stall I saw my coworker's badge and it was just weird, like, because in his badge he's like smiling. But then the sounds he's making, it doesn't really sound <laughs> <laughs> like he's smiling. I was just looking at a badge that's like, <laughs> kind of creepy. <laughs> um, on the sidewalk over uh, in 16th and Mission, I saw on the uh, ground it said, uh, "Die, you yuppie scum." <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, but a yuppie, I mean, that's just a young urban professional. I mean, like, we want to be young, right? We want to be urban. We like being professional, right? I don't know. It's just like, do we just hate all three good things for a person? Just like, what about like, I don't know, toned, intelligent doctors? <laughs> you know, like titties. <laughs> titties are destroying San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was uh, talking to my friend uh, yesterday about, like, what kind of drunk are you? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm like a happy drunk. You know, I'm not, like, introspective. I was just wondering, do, uh, is that, like, for other drugs, too? Like, do crackheads talk about the same thing? Like, like what kind of crackhead are you? Oh, I'm like an introspective crackhead, you know? Like, <laughs> I miss my father. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Yeah! Taking his backpack on stage. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. All right, I just want to check to see if Christopher Jarmillo is here. There he is. All right, you want to go up next or you want to wait a couple people? Oh, you'll go. All right, you guys, your next comedian. Funny guy, laugh and clap your hands hysterically for Christopher Jarmillo. Sorry, I was, I was late. I, uh... I usually do stand up somewhere else and I went I, I was going I navigated there so and that was obviously not here so I um so yeah I I I, I wanted up being late I liked your act for Laurentia. I like that you played to this side of the you, I you like were like oh fuck these people um anyway hey guys yeah you What <laughs> it's okay you don't have to so. That's that's weird that's that's odd you should not it doesn't have eyes. I guess it has, a, it has you. Was she looking at you a lot? I felt like she was looking at me. Oh, she was looking at the piano, man. Are you? Yeah. Are you, are you disappointed? I, I still go with the illusion that she was. Can you? Hey, on the radio, can you even hear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh okay, good. Okay. I, I just feel like there's. I'm just set talking, and then all of a sudden there's just silence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, oh yeah, da da da. Just we're just hanging out here. I don't know. I, I thought it was funny when you, yeah, the, the, first, the first day you were explaining like how the mic was on and off, and you're like, this is on, this is off. So all, but I imagine in the, like on the, in the radio, all you heard was, this is on, this is on. Oh, but this one goes too, okay, oh. Oh, okay, oh, there's a lot of them, oh, awesome. Oh, okay, awesome, awesome. What? I just said we're hot here, all the mics are hot. That's a mic joke. That's it, okay, all right. 
Good, good, good. I'll let you, I'll let you guys talk amongst yourselves. I, why do I need to figure out a set? Jeez. Uh, anyway, what, what, what have I been, oh gosh, what have I been doing? I, you, I did, I did, I did, lately, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm, I think I'm a very emotionally oppressed person, but I think it's kind of funny, like, what, what, like, these things have been happening, like, where I've kind of, like, like, I'm all, like, something emotional happens and I'm about to cry, but I, like, and I, I just find I have a weird, like, reaction to it. Like, I, something happens and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, jeez. I almost had a human emotion there. Ah, I, uh, I held that back. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I just think it's like, like I don't know. Like, am I, like I feel like there's something inside me that's like a, like a, like a freaking center in the NBA, and it's just like human emotion. Get that shit out of there, unless it's, unless it's anger or disgust. I do not want it in my. You don't bring that shit in my house. Freaking no, 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 no. Ah, okay, that was a little depressing. I'm sorry. I brought the, brought the mood down. I feel like I feel like everyone's like, oh, he's, he's, he cried and he can't do it. Um, <laughs> I like the nervous laughter, yeah. Deans. Thank you. <laughs> it was more. It was more pity, Chris. It was more. I was like. Ah. Okay. Again, you guys are killing worse than better than I am. I'm just, yeah, great. Jeez, you, we should just like record you guys, just like talking amongst yourselves. Yeah. What? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Florentina. Thank you. Right. Um, you know, I've been having a hard time, like, actually writing comedy, like, uh, something, something screwed me up, like, I think, you know, you kind of ha- think of concepts, and you think of weird things, and then, like, I don't know if this has happened to any of you, but, like, okay, recent, like, la- my, la- the, uh, my last act, I talked about, like, uh, people marrying things, and then, like, I think, I thought, oh, well, they marry things, they must be wanting to fuck them. I l- actually look, like, there's this woman that, she's actually, you might know her, she's from San Francisco. I guess she married the Eiffel Tower, and my first thought was like, oh, she married the Eiffel Tower, she must want to fuck it. And I actually, there's a documentary, and I thought, oh, this is silly, yeah, she wanted to fuck it. But then I watched a documentary, and the first thing she says is like, yeah, I'm, I'm in love with the Eiffel Tower. The big sadness in my life is I can't fuck it. She, like, I, I was like, oh, you just, okay, I guess I'm like, I'm not as weird, I can't think of something weirder than what actually happened in reality. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> Like she went through, I guess she like was like in love with like a like a bow and arrow and stuff and I don't know it was just I guess she like there's people who have a fixate I don't have a I don't have a punchline for people who are fixated on objects, um, but anyway hmm do I have anything else to say? Uh, but hey oh here I somebody a nice friend gave me a joke okay hey w- did you hear about the <laughs> no. Uh, uh, oh, what, what did the, uh, why did the uh, woman marry the uh, Berlin Wall? Because she had, oh, because uh, she wanted to marry somebody that wasn't afraid to go down on her. Or go come down. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Christopher Jamil. There's a rare uh, picture of me that I have not put up for Throwback Thursday uh, when I was 26 years old, and I'm sleeping with a karaoke microphone on a sofa like this. I'm like sleeping with it because I didn't I didn't want anyone else to sing it. They'd have to rip it out of my cold dead hands. So I might marry a microphone someday. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I have a great picture of me like snug snuggling it in my sleep, like I love you so much. 
Your next comedian also loves the microphone. She's a very funny lady. I'm excited every time she's here. She gets funnier every time I see her. Clap your hands together for Jenny Hogan. So I, I'm from New York originally. I went to a small uh, all-girls Catholic school. And my parents told me that they wanted me to like go to an all-girls school so that I would have goals outside of just like chasing boys, uh, which worked because I spent like most of my childhood with like the sole goal of trying to touch a pigeon. <laughs> because the pigeons in New York are like way different from the pigeons in San Francisco. Honestly, like that's probably the biggest difference between New York and San Francisco is the pigeons. Like in San Francisco, they fly really low and you feel like they're gonna hit you. You guys familiar with this? Maybe you're just used to it. Cause like, yeah, right? But in New York, like the pigeons, like you can't even get near them. Like it's, it's really, it's uh, quite difficult to touch them. They like run away as soon as you come after them. Um, and uh, this has really uh, prepared me well for like dating basically. Cause that's also kind of the difference between New York and San Francisco. Um, there are like a lot, there's like a much higher uh, female to male ratio in New York, people say. Um, and I kind of always suspected that like boys took their cues from pigeons, so. Seemed accurate. Uh, I've been told that it would be better if I did some like act outs on stage. Um, so I'm gonna do a pigeon in New York <laughs> versus a pigeon <laughs> in San Francisco. Okay, like let's. I'm. Um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> can't do it. Yeah, they're just like really, like low, I'll be like this. <laughs> okay, I'm moving on, I have more jokes. Um, so I, uh, I work at a tech company and we are trying to recruit more women. We have very few women right now. We have a difficult time when women come in for the interviews because uh, no one ever wants to like say anything bad about them basically because they're afraid that they'll look sexist. So we had this woman come in the other day for like an engineering position and the issue with her was that she didn't speak English really. Which I, I, I didn't mind, honestly, because I have a lot of coworkers who I think it would be a lot better if they made less use of their English language skills. <laughs> like, um, the difference between, I work with a lot of people who are not native English speakers, and the thing I notice is that non-native English speakers think before they say things, um, which I think like kind of some of my other coworkers should do. But anyway, so we're like assessing this woman, basically. We're doing a recap. I'll, I'll act out the recap. We were sitting down. <laughs> uh, we're sitting down, and... Uh, my boss eventually, everyone's kind of going around, like no one's saying anything, and eventually my boss is like, uh, you know, I think she might just be like a better fit, like for a different role at a different company in China. <laughs> and, uh, um, but we, we're not really like successful at recruiting women because we're not doing the right things. Like for one thing, we don't hire them when they come in for the interviews. But we also, we have a lot of perks that are like very much just like geared towards men. Like we have like free beer, but like we don't even have plan B in the medicine cabinet, you know? Um, I learned this morning. And, and we just can't compete against these other tech companies with like better support for women looking to terminate their pregnancies, you know? Because like at Google, they cover the cost of an abortion and at Facebook, they do the abortion on site. Like this is real. Uh, there's a guy, his name is Frank the Aborting Man and he has an office, it's right next to Sheryl Sandberg's. So you can go get your free lunch, you can get your free abortion and you can get back to fucking work, you know? 
Uh, it's called Leaning Into a Hanger. Judy <laughs> 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 Hogan! Yeah! Very funny set. Your next comedian, uh, he is a special individual because he is very supportive of the scene, meaning that he was here all Monday waiting through everybody's sets, and then we didn't have time for him. So I was like, you have a special set. So you guys have to be really special right now and clap even bigger than you've clapped before. For Johnny Isaacs. Thank you very much, Pam. Uh, excuse the notes, everyone. This is a new new material for Monday, which I didn't get to do. So um, <clears throat> this is Tim. Tim is my husband. He has never seen me do stand-up before. Uh, and in honor of that, I'm going to do jokes about him. <laughs> Won't that be fun for everyone? Except Tim. Um, so our anniversary is coming up very soon. Three years. Green card very much. Green card very much. Uh, no, we didn't really get married for a green card, but it was a handy help. Uh, it definitely helped us do things like live on the same continent. <laughs> really useful things for a relationship, yeah. Um, I'm, honestly, I never thought I'd get married. I was, uh, I was this sort of weird combination of a romantic and a skeptic. Like, I was a big Disney fan as a kid, so I always thought, you know, I want that really big love at first sight moment and I'll spend the rest of my life with that person. But I also knew that would never happen. Like, not in, uh, no fucking chance in hell. And then I met Tim, and I was like, wow, he's really tall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, there, there are some really great perks to being married. Like, number one, you have a ready-made excuse to not hang out with anybody that you don't like. It's like, Tim's really busy right now. He's got a lot going on, uh, and he doesn't like you. Um, <laughs> But the, the, one of the best things is uh, you can always, no matter what, use a carpool lane. It's great. It's really handy. Um, <laughs> uh, and the other thing that is very handy about Tim specifically is having a very bad back, he has a disabled placard. So the parking situation is fantastic. Because <laughs> this city is fucked up for that, so that's really helpful. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, we have, a, we have a big age gap. There's a 22-year age gap between us. Tim is eight but he has that Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> so it's really good because nobody knows I'm a pedophile. <laughs> nobody has a clue. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if any of you saw this, there was a really interesting article this week uh, that said that scientists think they found the leading cause of pedophilia. And it's really obvious, no one would have thought about it before. I can't believe we didn't know. It's, uh, it's, it's sexy kids, yeah. <laughs> really sexy kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, one of Tim's favourite jokes is when people ask us, uh, as they often do, where we met, he likes to tell them that we met in an Amber Alert. <laughs> uh, which isn't a thing in the UK. So after he told this joke to like 15 people, I had to go look it up. And I was like, oh, he's a keeper. He's <laughs> definitely a keeper. Uh, we actually did meet online. We met on a website called biggercity.com, which is like OkCupid for big, fat, hairy gay guys. <laughs> and, uh, and they're admirers, um, which is very true. Like, for instance, when I was a kid, my um, celebrity crushes were John Candy and Chewbacca. <laughs> um, <laughs> but w because we have such a big age gap, a lot of people uh, just automatically assume that I have, like, daddy issues, which is kind of fun. But actually, I have a really good relationship with my dad. Like, he's really supportive, and he's, I came out really young, and he's always been great, and he gets on really well with Tim. 
But he's also bipolar, so that could change any day now. <laughs> so, you know, it keeps you on your toes. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, uh, but actually, in actual fact, I don't have daddy issues. Uh, but there are some really great things about uh, being with an older guy who he's lived, he lived alone for a long time. He's really self-sufficient. He's a great cook. He's great at cleaning. Uh, and so it's like I get to have sex with a six foot seven, 250 pound version of my mum. <laughs> But no daddy issues, none at all. Uh, but actually, we're a, we're a very progressive 21st century San Francisco gay couple. So we're uh, we're looking for a third. You know, there's a lot of a lot of couples do this in San Francisco. We are, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, uh, some people call it a thruple. Sometimes they call it a triad, but not the like not the like Chinese mafia triad, like a, like a three-way triad. Uh, but the main reason is because we moved over to the East Bay recently and the bridge carpool lane is three people. Ah! Thank you very much. Keep clapping for Johnny Isaacs, yes! He got married for the carpool lane and he's a threesome to get over from Oakland. Fan-fucking-tastic. All right, we're moving the happy hour right along. Moving on to your next comedian. You guys, put your hands together. It's Christopher Guerrero. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Ooh, love that response. Uh, yeah, so I live in Richmond in the East Bay. Not on purpose. Yeah. One thing about living in Richmond, I hear sirens almost every night, which makes it hard for me to sleep. But now it's getting to the point where it's hard for me to sleep without hearing sirens. <laughs> you might say that sirens are like whale calls to me. <laughs> but now that's becoming a problem because one time I was driving and when I heard a police siren, I fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Now you know why I'm paying a lot for car insurance. <laughs> yeah, another thing about living in Richmond, I hear gunshots at night. Like there was this one time I was about to leave my apartment to go to the store. And when I get to the door, I hear this. So I turned around and I said, never mind. I'll just stay home and have Pop-Tarts for dinner. Yeah. So my girlfriend is a blue-eyed, blonde, Caucasian, which means I've achieved the American dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picky when it comes to a woman's race. I've been with black women, white women, Latinas, Asians. You might say that my penis recognizes affirmative action. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, when I see a beautiful woman, I do not see skin color because I'm too busy looking at her tits and ass. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that white women are very curious when it comes to hooking up with someone outside of their race. Like a white woman would go out with a black man to see if it's true that all black men have big dicks. And a white woman would go out with a Latino to see if it's true that all Latin men are horny as fuck and a white woman would go out with an Asian guy to see if it's true that they are good at math. <laughs> and, if <that's laughs> and if that's true, then she has found someone to do her taxes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I read online about this pastor in Texas who has threatened to set himself on fire as a way of protesting the legalization of gay marriage. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. That's way better than my punchline. <laughs> okay. Great. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a big animation fan. I love watching cartoons. But there are certain cartoons that left me with unanswered questions. Like, how is it possible that Speed Racer's car can jump over cliffs, go underwater, but it can't keep that kid and its monkey from getting in the trunk. <laughs> it's weird. That car is bulletproof and fireproof, and yet it isn't childproof <laughs> or monkeyproof. Very bad designing there, Pops Racer. And why is it whenever Scooby-Doo and the gang split up to look for ghosts, and when Fred and Daphne are all by themselves, Fred never makes a move on Daphne. Kind of makes you wonder why he wears that ascot in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and how come we don't know who Casper the ghost was before he became a ghost? Apparently, Casper was a young child, but we don't know how he died. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for, all, for all we know, he could have died of a crib death. <laughs> or a late-term abortion. Maybe he was babysat by Casey Anthony. We don't know. And on that happy note, my name is Chris Guerra. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Back to you, Pam. Chris Guerra. Hey, everybody. Uh, I love the 70s references because I was born in 74, so I know what Scooby-Doo is, which makes me really happy. Before they started those stupid remakes with those dumb movies. And the same thing with the Casper movie. I mean, it was really good. It did have Christina Ricci in it, looking hot as like a 12-year-old, as she should. <laughs> Before she had her boobs, still hot. Doesn't make me a pedophile or a lesbian. I'm just saying aesthetics are real, everybody. Your next comedian is also very aesthetically pleasing. And you guys are going to love his jokes. Everybody put your hands together. It's Adam Strawbridge. Hey, guys. Uh, last night, I went to an anarchist book fair. To its credit, it was terribly organized. Uh, uh, they gave it out an itinerary. Number one said, like, introductory remarks in minutes, and then two through ten were fuck the state. Uh, didn't really learn a lot. Good spread, though. Great spread. I made a mistake last week, and I tried to like reconnect with my dad because I feel like I'm older. I'm kind of an adult, so I can relate to him as a peer. So I asked him like, "How was I as a kid, as a toddler? Was I like a manageable, was I a good kid?" He said, "No, you actually you were a huge brat." Uh, he told me that the custody battle over me was like a really expensive game of hot potato. So. <laughs> How rude. Uh, <laughs> My dad's mean. He's a dick. We were walking down Market Street. We passed this woman with a cardboard sign. She was down on her luck and said, I'm hungry. My dad like knelt next to her and said, hi, hungry. I'm Steven. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't talk. Comics love to kvitch about dating apps like Tinder and all that shit. But you don't hear a lot of talk about the gay dating apps because they're kind of like a different scene. Uh, they're very assertive. It's hard to tell if sometimes that you're on a gay hookup site or just like a really, really aggressive pet adoption website, you know? 
get messages like looking for a cute pup to tame and dominate, um, <laughs> or like want a furry critter to keep me company, <laughs> or I got one that was like, cutie, you look better with a load of spunk in your face. <laughs> that one, no, that one's less ambiguous. But the first two, <laughs> first two, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I haven't voted yet, because I'm waiting until marriage, but in my, uh, in my opinion, there's always like a far left candidate and a far right candidate, you know? If I had to be a politician, I would be a far out candidate. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Boogie boards for every bro, and chicks drink free. It's righteous. Um, it's my understanding the president lives in the White House. The vice president lives in the Naval Observatory, little known fact. But I don't know where the Supreme Court justices all live. So I imagine they live in like a big frat house and they just party all the time. They do fucked up shit. They bump lines off the original Constitution. It'd <laughs> be fun. Want to go to Washington? Um, I've had a bad week, to be honest, because my friend broke up with her boyfriend, so I'm here a lot of drama. He secretly filmed them having sex together. It's not cool. Guys, don't do that. She told me, like, I wish I lived in a different century when there wasn't all this technology to exploit women. Uh, and I'm empathetic to her, but I told her that even though technology has changed the world a lot, I think people, especially guys, remain the same. And I was reading about this. Apparently, in, like, Renaissance Italy, young guys would go out, they go to, like, Balls, wear those masks, they meet girls, take them home and have sex with them, they have a little artist in the closet paint the whole thing. <laughs> it would take them like five or six nights to get the shading just right. Um, she didn't believe me, she was like, you're making that up, that's not true. And I said, no, it's that there's a museum in Rome you can go to where you can see some of this artwork, it's called the Museo de Rudex Girlfriend Revenge. Uh, <laughs> all right. I have, I've been like trying to, you know, San Francisco, everyone likes to explore themselves sexually, so I've been trying to imagine like, what my fetishes are. And I think I've discovered a new one. It's like, you know, people like to dirty talk, right? I like, I'm into a kind of dirty talking that's very specific. So it's like, follow me here. You know when you're at a party and like someone's, you're talking to like a mutual acquaintance, you're kind of in the same friend group but not quite, you never hung out alone before and they're trying to tell you that there's something in your teeth and you can't really find it and they're getting frustrated because you can't find it but now you're frustrated because like I didn't ask you to try to get this thing out of my teeth and then you're both very frustrated at each other. I'm just like jerking off the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Adam. It's my time. Give it up for Pam. Adam Strawbridge! Yes! Being sexually weird in the corner while we're dealing with our... I always worry about... I had cilantro today. Is there, am I okay? Okay, sweet. Yeah, rad! <laughs> Feeling confident. Your next comedian runs a bunch of great shows in the city. One of them is called Hired Killers. Another one is Choose Your Own Comedy, and he runs them all over. He's amazing. You guys are going to laugh hysterically. Clap your hands together for Ben Lupinetti! <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I probably can't do that for five minutes. I know that's it's gonna wear out after a while. I like that dirty talk too. I like being told that I'm just human garbage. Between the sheets, hey yo. <laughs> uh, uh, you two in the corner there, you were, uh, that's right, get her to pay attention. 
because this is going to be important. Uh, you were here last week, were you not? No. First no. time. First, uh, okay. <laughs> don't. 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 <laughs> don't. You, I know that hiss. I know that exchange of air in your lungs with the air outside of you. How about it's not racist, it's just a mistake. Can we... And I'm saying that to all of society. Just... Because you can come back from being a mistake, but we're never going to hear from Don Imus again. He's just gone. Excommunicated from humanity. Michael Richards, are you kidding me? <laughs> Kramer's dunzo. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how this could get better, but it defies imagination. <laughs> Um, I use public transportation a lot, and there's an issue that has had been, it's under some discussion on uh, popular media, and that is the issue of man-spreading. <laughs> you've probably, you're probably familiar with this issue of, uh, you know, you'll be on a bus or a train or some other type of many people carrier run by an organization and guys will just be spreading out all over the place. They're all over those seats. They're body parts. They're in your way. You want to sit down, but their thighs and their calves and their muscular knees are just all up on. You can't, no, you can't sit there. You can't sit there. No, nobody's. Because guys are spreading. Men, they're spreading all over the place. And frankly, I don't want to hear about this issue. Not until we're simultaneously willing to address seat bagging. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. And this might be a little bit sexist, but what do I have to lose at this point? Guys, I don't know who made it fashionable for women to have huge garbage bag-sized purses over their shoulders holding their tax forms and their grandmother's ashes and some information that Edward Snowden slipped to them, and it's real important to have it on you at all times, but here's the thing, you can't your big giant bag on a seat like it's a person. You can't. That's for people. That's where people go. You can't be like my bag has the same status as a person. If, if that's what you want, hire a Sherpa. Get an actual human being who will carry around your stuff. You can spend on a giant designer handbag. <laughs> <laughs> or 
Victorian knock-knock from Nepal could carry around all your shit for like uh, three months. First world problems, am I right? You guys, you guys have been all right. I'm Ben Lupinetti. Goodbye. That was awesome, Ben Lupinetti. Yes. But my bag is a motherfucking princess, and it's gonna sit next to me on the Muni. My bag is a princess, and it needs a seat so it doesn't have vomit on it because I ride the Muni. Uh, all right. No, I, I'll put my bag in my lap. I let my princess ride in my lap. Your next comedian, he's a princess. What kind of shirt are you wearing? Robot unicorn attack? Fuck yeah! Your next comedian, hilarious guy. You can see him featured next week on the I'm Not White show on the Pantastic Comedy Clubhouse. Put your hands together. It's Stephen Massey. Boom. Thank you, Pam. Uh, I lost my job the other day, guys. Oh. Yeah, no, really, seriously, honestly. Like, I like didn't hate it, but I am ready to uh, not have uh, corporate um, America hanging over my head, which is a really weird thing to say because I worked at a law firm that got um, uh, visas for people who were trying to work in other countries, so that's not really what that is. Can you turn up the microphone? It's on. Okay. I'll, I'll just fillet it, I guess. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to kiss. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, like, it was nice having structure in my life, but um, I'm ready for something else. To get me through this. No. Uh, I have, I might have, I might have smoked a little weed today, maybe. Uh, yeah, no. And, you know, I was thinking about it earlier. I was, I was just doing some mundane stuff, and, you know, maybe it might just be me, but I feel like everything is an important production or everything's a journey when you're stoned. Like, I was just sitting down to take some shit out of my pockets because I was changing pants, and I, I felt I was jazzed. I was excited to do this. I felt like I was gonna sit down for three hours and write a chapter of the great American novel. And like, if you're just going to the kitchen to get a glass of water, you might as well be going for a trek on Everest. It's intense, guys. Weed is, is no laughing matter. Um, so I've tried a number of times to uh, put into metaphor what it feels like for me to have uh, Asperger's. Um, and I, I don't think I have ever like really hit the nail on the head. I've come pretty close. But today, I, I, was, I was in my car. And I think, I think I've, I, I've, I've really got it this time, guys. So having Asperger's is like driving in Berkeley. <laughs> you get, you, you see that there's, there was an idea of a system in place. And you yourself have been told the rules of this system. And over a long period of time, you made every effort to fit in within that system. And then you see people flagrantly violating these rules. And it is very frustrating, very frustrating. Uh, and also, if you've ever had any kind of um, run-in with a Berkeley driver, first of all, I apologize on behalf of us. Um, but you know, you from anything from you know just like a short honking match to uh, full-on getting out of your car screaming at each other, you come away feeling like you didn't gain anything from that. 
and also with a little bit of, more than a little bit probably, of self-loathing because you're worried that you've just been interacting with your reflection <laughs> in, that, in that exchange. And that too is a very uh, uh, apt um, analogy for many of my own personal interactions with people. Thank you. What, what the, this just says snurt. <laughs> oh wait, no, no, I know what it is. Uh, so uh, a couple days ago, uh, I posted a picture of myself wearing a polyester shirt with, which depicted a snake frolicking among a bed of white roses. It was about amazing as it sounds. Uh, and since then, I've had people coming up to me asking, Stefan, how can I aspire to the dizzying heights of fashion which you've set the standard for? And the answer is pretty simple. You just have to shop at uh, Chinese websites that only deliver you what you ordered half the time. You'll be pulling in likes on Instagram in no time. Uh, okay, so I'll leave you guys with this. My middle name is Nima. It's, it's Persian. Um, but it's misspelled on my birth certificate. And that's because my dad thought it was a good idea to give a legal document to a woman who just had a cesarean and was pumped full of uh, painkillers. And so she added an extra M, so it's got two M's in there. And I told this to a friend and she just instantly spits back at me, sup my Nima? And I'm like, dude. And she's like, what, you never thought of that? And I was like, no, because I don't think like a racist. <laughs> I'm Stefan Massey, thanks guys. <laughs> Massey, come see him next week at Pamtasia's Comedy Clubhouse. I think he's bringing a special guest named Werner Herzog with him. I don't know if you know that guy, but he's really good <laughs> friends with him, and I think he's bringing him along. It's going to be exciting. I, will be <laughs> I, I wish I could do that voice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can only do Bjork. I, it's, I just, I, everyone has a gift. Your next comedian has way huge gifts. Yeah! He's like one of the smartest people I know. He uses big words that I don't understand all the time in his jokes. <laughs> but, um, but I laugh at them sometimes when they're super smart because I'm like, he's going to think I'm smart if I, if I pretend that I know what that means. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, your next comedian is really great, guys. Super funny. Clap your hands together. It's Connor Doherty. <laughs> How to succeed in life. Here, here is a nerdy thing to say. Faking it converges asymptotically to making it. There we go. Uh, yeah, you know, like when you have uh, exponential or something and it's like approaching some line but it never actually gets there? That's what, it's like faking it, you know, eventually. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, yeah, so you maybe wouldn't know this about me. I'm actually ethnically half redneck. I know you wouldn't guess it. I talk like a robot that swallowed an SAT study guide, but I am half redneck. My grandpa was the mayor of a small town in Wisconsin. Are you sitting on her lap? No, okay. Cool. I just, I'm a little gun shy. I was over at Iron and Gold once and this couple started making out like 10 feet away from me. And I was like, it's dark, it's not that dark. <laughs> <laughs> My dulcet tones inspire can canoodling. <laughs> My grandpa was the mayor of a small town in Wisconsin. 